Jen Psaki tells businesses to ignore the court order, which stops Joe Biden's vaccine mandate. Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats passed the massive social spending bill. Plus, Beto O'Rourke is running for office again. All that and more. I'm Bobby Eberly. This is a 13-minute news hour. God bless the United States of America. Okay, friends, welcome to the show. Happy Friday. I hope you had a great week. If you're new to the show, thank you so much for tuning in. We're going to start with White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki, because despite the fact that federal courts have issued a stay on Joe Biden's vaccine mandates and OSHA has stopped enforcement of the mandates per that court order, Jen Psaki is telling employers to ignore the courts and just keep on forcing vaccinations and firing employees. Here's the story. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki said Thursday that private businesses with 100 or more employees should move forward with implementing President Joe Biden's vaccine or testing rule, despite news that OSHA was forced to suspend enforcement due to a court order. Biden's vaccine rule, announced in September, requires businesses with 100 or more employees to mandate COVID-19 vaccines or have weekly testing for employees. OSHA announced its rules surrounding the requirement in November, and officials announced a January 4th compliance deadline before the United States Court of Appeals for the Fifth Circuit issued a temporary halt of Biden's rule on November 6th. The appeals court granted a motion to stay on November 12th, and OSHA announced it was suspending its implementation and enforcement plan, citing the court's ruling that it take no steps to implement or enforce the emergency temporary standard until further court order. Note the key point in the court order. Not only did the court halt Biden's vaccine mandate, but as OSHA noted in its own statement, the court specifically ruled that the agency take no steps to implement or enforce the mandate. The directive is crystal clear. Yet during the White House press briefing, Saki was asked about the court order and how it affects the administration's plans. OSHA has suspended its vaccine implementation and enforcement because of a court order. Um, given this update, is the administration still urging businesses to move forward with the president's vaccine and weekly testing rule? And are you still working off of that January 4th compliance deadline? We are. Um, let me be very clear. Our message to businesses right now is to move forward with measures that will make their workplaces safer and protect them, uh, their workforces from COVID-19. Saki's message to businesses is to move forward, ignore the court order. And what's key here is not only is she telling businesses to ignore the court, but she's claiming that this is all done to protect workers when none of what she is saying follows the science or is constitutional. The Democrats love to say, follow the science. And they say that with a straight face, knowing full well that they are not following the science at all. Here's more from Saki. 60% of businesses are moving forward with measures that keep their workplaces safe. They're essentially implementing components or versions of these vaccine requirements because they know it's in the interests of their workforces to protect their workforces, to make sure they can bring more people back to the workforce. And we certainly see that as a positive sign. So we are still heading towards the same timeline. The Department of Justice is vigorously defending uh, the emergency temporary standard in court, and we are confident in OSHA's authority. Saki cited a survey which 
which said 60% of businesses were moving forward with some kind of vaccine protocols. This is upsetting since, again, the science shows that what someone else does regarding the vaccine has no bearing on your level of protection. You protect yourself to the extent that you feel is appropriate, and the next person will do the same. In addition, despite what Saki says, OSHA does not have this authority, and as soon as a case makes it to the Supreme Court, we'll see that Joe Biden's federal vaccine mandate is what we all know it is, unconstitutional. In the meantime, we have the media and the Democrats desperately trying to hold on to COVID as long as possible. This has been their ace in the hole to push for more government control, crazy election rules, mandated masks for kids, and more. Without COVID, then people might actually pay more attention to what the Democrats are doing. And that's the last thing the Democrats want. All right, next let's talk about Biden's massive social spending bill. But first, if you're new to the show or haven't subscribed yet, regardless of platform, just search out my name, hit that subscribe button, make sure notifications are turned on. That way you can follow the show and help us grow. Next, despite a record-breaking eight-and-a-half-hour speech by House GOP leader Kevin McCarthy, Nancy Pelosi and the House Democrats have pushed forward Joe Biden's social spending bill known as the Build Back Better legislation. So, first we had the $1.2 trillion infrastructure bill that was passed with Republican support, even though it is a terrible bill and the Democrats couldn't even get enough votes in their own majority to pass it themselves. Now, we have the even more expansive social spending Green New Deal bill that will add about a third of a trillion dollars to the deficit and usher in new government powers and control. Nancy Pelosi had hoped to vote on the bill on Thursday, but McCarthy put a floor speech together that lasted eight hours and 32 minutes in which he blasted the Democrats for pushing an agenda that is completely out of touch with the American people. Here's the story. In his scathing floor speech, McCarthy described the legislation as the single most reckless and irresponsible spending bill in our nation's history. He criticized nearly every proposal included in the $1.75 trillion package, dubbed the Build Back Better Act, as well as the Biden administration's broader policies. McCarthy said Democrat lawmakers were out of touch with the needs and wishes of ordinary Americans. Republicans universally opposed the legislation, which they denounced as a fiscally irresponsible initiative that will exacerbate the inflation crisis, damage the long-term economy, and introduce too large a degree of socialism. He asserted the bill would result in higher prices for U.S.-made products, higher energy costs, immigration policies that will worsen an ongoing border crisis, and nationalize Washington Center education at schools. From bank surveillance to bailouts, this bill takes the problems President Biden and Democrats have already created and makes them much, much worse, McCarthy said. This is a terrible bill, and keep in mind that it all started back when Senate Republicans voted to end the filibuster and proceed with both the infrastructure bill and the reconciliation bill that was voted on today. Despite the efforts of most Republicans and McCarthy's marathon speech, Pelosi was able to get her Democrat caucus in line, and the bill passed 220 to 213 this morning. It will now head over to the Senate, where hopefully it will get cut up, trimmed down, or flat out rejected. And think back to just a few weeks ago, when some of those 13 House Republicans who voted yes for the infrastructure bill actually said 
that their yes vote would give them more leverage on today's vote. Raise your hand if you believe that one. All right, next, Robert Francis O'Rourke has thrown his hat into the ring in a race for governor of Texas. Beto, as the Irishman calls himself, ran for Senate and lost. He ran for president and lost. Now, apparently, he feels he is flat out entitled to an office because the two-time loser is running for governor. Here's part of his announcement. Or that we make progress on the things that most of us actually agree on, like expanding Medicaid or legalizing marijuana. Instead, they're focusing on the kind of extremist policies uh, around abortion or permitless carry or even in our schools that really only divide us and keep us apart and stop us from working together on the truly big things that we want to achieve for one another. This would be funny if it weren't for the fact that some people out there believe it, that Beto is actually the one fighting against so-called extremist policies when he is the extremist. He mentioned education, education in Texas. I'd love to ask him, what part of Texas education does he find extreme? The part where we are fighting back against critical race theory and other forms of left-wing indoctrination? The part where we don't think boys should participate in girls' sports or use girls' bathrooms? Maybe the part where we are encouraging parents to take a more active role in their children's education and not let left-wing school boards act as if they have the power. Is that the extremism Beto is talking about? In the meantime, we have this guy. This is our final chance. The scientists are absolutely unanimous on this that we have no more than 12 years to take incredibly bold action on this crisis. So what is that, uh, 10 years to go now, and then the end of the world? Or how about this gun policy? If we're able to pass mandatory buybacks and I'm able to sign that into law, then I fully expect our fellow Americans to turn in their AR-15s and their AK-47s. Oh, I see. So Americans would just turn in their guns because the government under Beto would tell them to do so. But what if the American people didn't turn them in? For anyone who does not and is caught in possession or seen in possession of one of these weapons of war, one of these instruments of terror, um, that weapon will be taken from them and they will be fined. We don't need this guy anywhere close to a public office ever again. As noted in the Washington Times, O'Rourke is trying to stake out the middle ground this time after going to the far left in his presidential run. Mr. O'Rourke's opening message in the gubernatorial campaign represents a U-turn from his presidential bid. Competing for the support of base voters in a crowded Democrat presidential race, Mr. O'Rourke staked out liberal positions to attract voters in early primary states and big donors from New York and California. Prior to that, he really hadn't said anything, Dave Carney, a senior advisor to Mr. Abbott, told the Washington Times. Then he ran for president, and he ran so far to the left that he ran off the podium. It definitely is different this time, he said. He doesn't get the benefit of the doubt of being this rube congressman, and he is going to have to defend his positions. Carney is certainly correct in that assessment. All those crazy things that he said when he was running for president, he'll have to defend that to Texas voters. Good luck with that. Okay. So today we've had Jen Psaki saying ignore the courts, Nancy Pelosi pushing socialist policies, and Beto being Beto. We need to ask them, do you have a relaxed brain? I got what you call like 
I don't know, a relaxed brain. Okay, first I want to stick with Robert Francis for just a little bit longer because he posted his campaign launch video on his YouTube channel. But apparently his team has so little confidence in their boss that they turned off the display of the dislikes. That's right. You can see the information on the video here. You see 1,100 likes, but the dislike number is not displayed. But here's the thing. That YouTube setting doesn't work for some folks with older browsers or operating systems, so the number can still be displayed. And as you might think, the dislikes are higher than the likes. Good try, Robert Francis. All right, next, NBC News is getting blasted on social media for an op-ed which argued that parents wanting a say in their children's education is the same as them wanting to participate in a surgery for their child. Yep, in an effort to tell parents to keep out and let the government experts handle it, NBC News tweeted this. Christina Wyman, parents think they have a right to control teaching and learning because their children are the ones educated. It's sort of like entering a surgical unit thinking you can interfere with an operation because the patient is your child. Unreal. And as you'd expect, the reaction was intense. Here's one example. No. It's like expecting your surgeon to perform the surgery you actually need rather than their favorite surgery that nobody asked for and that would actually harm your body. Great response. These people on the left truly think that they own our kids, that government has the power and all we can do is comply. Next, as I was wrapping up the prep for today's show, the Kyle Rittenhouse verdict was announced. So I'll get more into that on Monday's show, but for today's relaxed brain, let's just think about all the left-wing pundits and Democrats, including Joe Biden, who called Rittenhouse a white supremacist, a domestic terrorist, who attacked him, judged him, convicted him, all without a trial. I can't wait to see the civil lawsuits that will rain down on these people. Justice was served on the criminal side. Now the civil side will have its day. Next, here's some headlines from the Babylon Bee breaking news and first, we have more from White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki. Psaki says high gas prices are good because Americans will be forced to drive greener Flintstones cars. And then, even though this is from the Babylon Bee, this one could actually be real if you think about CNN or MSNBC and the Kyle Rittenhouse case. Op-ed. We don't need due process for people we know are guilty. That describes the left just perfectly. And how about this great piece of investigative reporting? Smoke detector carefully selects 4 a.m. on weeknight to malfunction. Why does that always happen? I have no idea, but that bugs me to no end. It happens all the time in my house, but I'll go ahead and blame the radical left for crazy smoke detectors too. Friends, that's our show for today, and I hope you enjoyed it. Don't forget, if you're new to the show or haven't subscribed yet, regardless of platform, just search on my name, hit that subscribe button, make sure notifications are turned on. That way you can follow the show and help us grow. Thank you so much for tuning in. Our next show is going to be Monday evening at the usual time, 6.30 p.m. Central. Until then, I'm Bobby Eberly. This is a 13-minute news hour.